Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. But as family members, you have to stand up. You have to take a stand with your addicted loved one. Yeah. And and I'm even beginning to, to, to not like the word drug addict anymore because it's so derogatory. Everybody thinks we're sleeping under a bridge with no teeth in our mouth. Welcome to Knocking Doors Down. Your host, Jason LeChance, with a background in uh, addiction as well as some childhood trauma, codependency, a lot of those different things that uh, check all the boxes. And of course, with me as always, Mike and Rocky. How are we good, sir? What is going on, people? Well, we've got a great episode for you. We're going to be talking with the gentleman from Pain. That's uh, Parents and Addicts in Need, a great organization based in Central California. We'll be speaking with President Flint Anderson, who has a really interesting story of struggling with his addiction. He opens up about that, as well as Executive Director Darren Redman, who his father was a NYPD officer, suffered from alcoholism. So it's kind of interesting. These two became fast friends later on in life, and they have this great mission with a great organization. And not only that, they are hilarious. Oh, yeah, and I love the New York accent. The New York, New York. I think of Bagel with a schmear immediately. <laughs> as soon as he started talking, I'm like... Oh, you're not from around here, are you? (laughs) Well, these gentlemen are awesome and informative. Trust me, this is a fun episode, and it does go to show you that there's a lot of brightness on the side of sobriety, and that's a really great takeaway from this one. So we thank you guys for listening to Knocking Doors Down. Of course, if you have yet to subscribe, make sure you do so on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. And hey, leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. It helps us get up the charts. But the best way to get this out there to people is spread the word. And for those that have been doing it by following us on social media, at Knocking Doors Down, we appreciate it. You guys are totally awesome. And uh, we want to thank again, of course, our sponsor, 5150 Live the Madness. If you see all the videos of Mikey and myself, we're wearing the gear and all of those photos and videos. Sure are. And, of course, all the proceeds from the sales of 5150 Gear goes towards the Carlos Vieira Foundation. If you want more on that, just go to the podcast description on whatever platform you're listening to and uh, click the URL and find out more. Uh, We're hanging out today talking to the gentleman with uh, pain, parents, uh, addicts in need. We got uh, Darren. How you good, sir? I'm doing well, my friend. How about yourself? Flint. Hey. Nice to have it. Nice to be here, man. Yeah, no, we appreciate you guys coming up. And of course, guys, if you haven't yet, uh, check them out. Uh, how can people find the the podcast? You guys are doing it well, and you interviewed Carlos Vieira, so that was outstanding. Oh yeah, it's great. What a leader! What a story yeah. he has. And if you haven't gotten his book, please do. Knocking doors down. Very good book. I don't have to do the plug today. Yeah. No. Wait, hold on. Available at kddmediacompany.com. Also on Amazon and paperback, hardback, and the ebook as well. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the, the background, uh, Flynn? Of course, man, you're, you, you know, you're a hero to me because you've been sober how long now? Nine, almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. Yeah. I love it. And, yeah. um, you know, as someone, as the listeners know, obviously I have my struggles with alcohol, but yours of a totally different nature, but what was Flint like as a little kid? Because I find that the more groups I go to, the more people I'm talking to, um, our addiction, it so much starts with childhood stuff. I know for me, it's connected to different traumas and things right. like that, that uh, it almost seemed inevitable, even with family history. So. Yeah, yeah. No, mine, mine actually started the day I was born. 
And the reason being is that I was born with an ailment that required me to go, the minute I was born, to go right back into surgery. And so I had a surgery uh, a year from the time I was born to the time I was 13. Then I had four more in 1976. Uh, I've had 18 since. That's just on the same medical issue. And then, of course, I've had open heart surgery, aortic femoral bypass surgery, uh, surgeries I'm not going to tell you about uh, uh, because of my opiate use. Uh, if everybody gets what I mean, you know, going to the bathroom was a little tough. Um, oh, and um, so, so my opiate receptors are different than most. Sure. I, I, I've always been on some sort of medication, even though it wasn't for long periods of time long-term opioid uh, use. Uh, I mean, you're, if you were to take a 10 milligram Norco today, that might knock you on your ass, right? And, and push you to sleep. It's not gonna do anything to me. Yeah. Just, abs- just absolutely nothing. Um, th- that, that's why, you know, people say, well, God, you were t- you, there's no way you were taking 70, 80, 90 pills, you know? Yeah, I was at the end of my using because we build up a tolerance. Yeah. Those pills build up a tolerance in our, in our bodies. So you, you, you mentioned the childhood trauma, and that's important because as, first of all, I don't remember anything from the time, you know, from when I was just born up until about five or six with those surgeries. But after that, my parents actually moved into the neighborhood where Valley Children's Hospital originally was oh, in, in, in Fresno. And, you know, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, um, I, re- I remember Children's Hospital as um, linoleum floors, right? And, and at night, at six and seven years of age, not because they were being mean, because they had to, they would bind my hands and oh, my shit. feet and basically restrain me to the bed um, so I wouldn't move because I had numerous IVs and tubes and whatnot yeah. coming in and out. And I always remember the squeaky sound of the nurse's shoes walking in, you know, whether it was just to take blood, you know, uh, uh, I hated that for whatever reason. I mean, here I'm having major surgery, but I hated them sticking a needle in my arm to take blood, yeah. you know, um, and, 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 and looking back on that, you know, yeah. That was pretty traumatic, you know, for a little kid to go through. And, um, you know, and then later on, I actually became an EMT in a paramedic unit. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And so, and so while I was doing that, I saw everything under the sun. Everything from, from you know, infants being pre-born that were, that were dead, that were, in, that were left in the back of a car, right? Um, uh, you know, g- obviously gunshots and stabbings and MVAs, motor vehicle accidents, and you know, and and things that were you know PTSD type of stuff. Um, and in those days, yeah, we did use hell. We were using in the ambulance, right? right? I yeah. mean, no, we had yeah. we had we had we we, we 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 would drink, right? I mean, especially if we were on a night shift. Um, people really don't get it. You know, a lot of paramedics have a lot of problems, yeah. you know, these days just because of the stuff that we saw. So again, long answer, you know, to, yeah. to a short question, but, but, but childhood trauma does and other traumas do come into play big time with addiction. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. And actually, there's a really great movie, and it's blanking me, Mikey. Maybe look it up. Uh, Nicholas Cage starred in where he was a par- paramedic and he was yes. a total addict and stuff like that. And uh, a great episode we have, I'll share it with you, gentlemen. The the link for is a gentleman named Jason Patton who started the Fire Department Chronicles. So it's using humor to deal with those traumas that they oh, yeah, see sure. as emergency emergency medical responders. And well, you know, it's interesting you say that because insane. I, I, I remember you know prior to the 41 in Fresno being new, yeah. 41 would cross like American Avenue uh, down down south. And I remember one night it was a, it was a semi versus a 55 Chevy. And when, oh, and, and when we get there, um, uh, the, the front of the truck is all the way around to the side. The Chevy's completely crushed. The bodies inside are, are totally dead. One decapitation. And my partner, and this was like my first major accident that I had been to. And my partner jumps out and he goes, well, time for the morbid jokes. And he goes right up to the guy with no head on his shoulders and puts his his stethoscope on him and starts doing the Marx Brothers routine, calling Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine. <laughs> and I'm going, what the fuck? Okay, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and, and but, but, but it needed to be done, Yeah. right? It needed to be done because what we were seeing was just so brutal. It's, it's, yeah. It is just a horrific thing to deal with. And Darren, we didn't get into it much, uh, you know, it's interesting that you're working in this. Is there a, a, a background of addiction for you or in your family, or is this just something that you felt so passionate about becoming a part of uh, of pain? Six and one, half a dozen of another. Um, my dad had, um, he was a New York City police officer for 20 years. Oh, wow. Federal policeman and then a U.S. Marshal. Oh. And from the time, digress a little bit. When you were a police officer in the 70s and the 80s, a lot of the stuff that's going on right now in the world was going on as well. Yeah. 60s and this and that. And when you got divorced, three young kids at home, and then you retired, 1982 or 83 when he retired, he had a whopping salary, New York City policeman salary of about $23,000. Tried to have a divorce payment, child support. So I remember one time he said to me, um, I said, how was your day? And he was just kind of quiet. And I kind of pushed him. And I was like, like, when I pushed him, meaning verbal, I was like, mm-hmm. so tell me about your day, Dad. How was your day? He said, well, I showed up at work today, and um, first call we got was about a kid playing hide and seek who hid in the refrigerator and died. Mm-hmm. How was your day? Shit. Wow. You know, man. it's that kind of thing. So yeah. when my dad went through his alcoholism, I was about 18 years old. And I remember I drove him to his detox and had detox for New York City police officers, a very special and a very good program. And I remember, um, you know, people say you should never lie. That's horseshit. One of the greatest th- things I ever did was to lie. So it's about a half block away from about to drop my father off. And he all of a sudden is like, he gets quasi-violent. No, take me home. I'll come back tomorrow. I don't, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah. Get him into um, the emergency room but he's waiting, he's very anxious. So something said to me like, he's not gonna stay, he's gonna go. I saw a custodian, truth. I said to the woman, the admitting nurse, I said, put a fucking white coat on that guy. And the custodian pretends to be a doctor and it calmed my dad down. (laughs) It calmed him down, because he was getting worked on. And um, it just settled him down enough until a real uh, real police when the real <laughs> doctors got there and I remember he took his wedding ring off because he remarried 
And he said, son, I'm so embarrassed. And then I said to him, no, I've never been more proud of you. Right. So, you know, fast forward, years go by. My father and I would sleep in homeless shelters at least once a month for people who are going through um, uh, 12-step programs and for the homeless. And I remember there, it wasn't about feeding the homeless or sleeping with them. That was secondary and very important. But here's what it was about. Mike, if I could use you as an example. Sure. Uh, it's 2.30 in the morning. You're a homeless person. You wake up. And you just want to talk about the Mets or the Yankees or the Giants or L.A. You don't want to talk about why you're homeless. Mm -hmm. You don't want me fixing you. You just want to have a conversation. Mm. I had some of the best conversations and realized that these are just people in a moment. And all these years later that I'm, I'm privileged to be the executive director of Parents and Addicts in Need, it's still people, right, Flint? Yeah, that's it. That just have stories yeah. and are going through something. Right. And uh, I'm pretty proud of the work that we do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that you gentlemen had reached out to talk with Car uh, Carlos because then once I started looking into it, it's like this is, this is what knocking doors down as a book, as a as a podcast, and as our goal and a movement and mission is about is to get out there. You know, of course, obviously the COVID has has held it up, but right. but get more stories. We were bullshitting before uh, we got recording anything <laughs> about guilt and shame and and how much of a role that that just plays in the whole thing. And I'm right. sure. With homeless folks, we're going to um, try to work with where we're at here in uh, you know Central California with our, our local homeless shelter, and there's some great stories there. Once we can get permission to talk with these folks, but so much about it, and I you know I've listened to some of the podcasts, um, which people definitely look up up the podcasts. Uh, Darren, what's the name of uh, the podcast again? The pod podcast podcast the, pod the podcast yes. yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> that East Coast comes in and area area. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we had a dude from ba Boston on Boston, that long ago. Right, yeah. He was like, yeah, when I was uh, high on the opioids, I was mad wicked. You know, it's just like, that's a Boston mad wicked. Guy. It's cool. crazy because, like, we have an accent to them. You yes, know, yes, as yes, Californians. Yes, yes, we do. So, as a what's our I need to some light on that. What do we sound like to somebody from the East Coast? Um, Dude, hella, bro. Right, right, yes, right, you know right off I mean? the yes. beach. Okay. Yes. Basically, like right we right surfed right. to school. We're right. friends with uh, the Kardashians, yes. all that stuff. Right. And no. anybody on the East Coast right now who knows we are in California thinks we're on the beach. Okay. The waves are crashing. They have no idea. That yeah. we're in farmland. Right? That it's hot as yeah. shit. The only breeze coming through here is hours. cow shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, yes. Tumbleweeds and cow shit. Yeah. So, so the podcast, though, that's a uh, uh, Don't Hide the thing. Scars is our podcast, and um, it was an idea of Flint's and a, a very good one, uh, that we will tell a story, tell yeah. the tale, um, talk about, like we did today, talk about redemption, talk about the problems. Anything else? Yeah, just uh, tell the truth. Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. that's that's the big thing. There's so many people in recovery and in treatment centers today that are just going to bullshit you. You know, if I have to see oh, one God, more yes. t television commercial that says, we can cure your addiction. I used to be an addict, but I'm not anymore. And by the way, we only charge $60,000 a month for you to come into our program. Because we care. Because we care. <laughs> and we have a 90% right. success rate. Well, first of all, dude, you're talking about your recovery center. You better have 100% success rate while they're in your recovery center <laughs> right, right? right okay and 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 then secondly there is no 90 percent success rate yeah. it, the success rate is about seven percent um when it comes right down to it um and 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 so our job our our responsibility is to tell the truth about addiction what 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 is it really yeah. what does it entail this is a family issue this just isn't an individual issue 
families are all a part of it. There, we, we, we kind of follow the three C's. Unless you were sexually abused or physically abused by a parent, you didn't cause it, but you can't control it and you can't cure it. Simple as that. Mm. It's manageable, but as pa- family members, you have to stand up. You have to take a stand with your addicted loved one. Yeah, and and I'm even beginning to 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 not like the word drug addict anymore because it's so derogatory. Everybody thinks we're sleeping under a bridge with no teeth in our mouth, and the fact is 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 we're we're losing we're losing kids that are two doors down from mom and dad in their bedrooms. Yeah, in fact. We're not hardly losing anybody in homeless camps because they're a, they're a family. We've been on all over the Narcan issue and we've, we met with some guys and we're gonna give you their names as well because they will give out free Narcan. And, and, and at least in Fresno, you have to have a prescription to get Narcan. But my point here is when you're in a homeless camp and you've got a bunch of drug users sitting around there they know when somebody's about ready to overdose. They've got the Narcan. They're going to administer it. We're not seeing that. We're seeing it, like I said, in the good areas of, of, of Fresno. That's where, the, that's where the people are dying of yeah. overdoses because they don't have it. And the parents are too embarrassed to even walk in to a doctor to get a prescription to get the Narcan. So now we have a group out there, and Darren, I can't remember the name of the, I mean, it's, it's Brandon, but, but I can't remember the. Clovis Hills Community Church. That, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're giving out Narcan for free. Right, and, the Narcan um, ministry. Right, it's a Narcan ministry, and, it, and it's a wonderful ministry because it's, it is gonna save lives. And, and just on another note, years ago, I was dead set against the general public having Narcan. Why was that? Because it, I, I felt Seriously, I really I, I was at a I was at the National Drug Convention in Atlanta, and there was a there was a um, a breakout session on on Narcan. Do, do we just leave it with first responders, or do we sell it to the general public? And that was the argument. And there was a, a row of ladies there from from Boston, okay, Be, because that's where Purdue Pharma because cool. <laughs> that's where Purdue Pharma is based out of, yeah. right? And Oxy is just was an enormous issue on the East Coast. And I asked this one lady, and I get up to the mic, and because I can't keep my mouth shut, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I walked up to the lady, and I said, "With all due respect, ma'am, I said, how old's your son?" And she said, "26." I said, "Does he live at home?" "Yes." Um, "Do you pay for his cell phone?" "Yes." "Does he drive a car?" "Yes." "Is it yours?" "Yes." "Do you pay for the insurance?" "Yes." You know, uh, you've got little kids in the house, brothers and sisters. "Yes." "Oh, and by the way, you let him use heroin in your house." "Yes." And now you want Narcan, so in case he crosses that imaginary line, because we are always looking for the longer lasting, better high, you want to make sure that you have Narcan there so you can bring him out of it so he doesn't die. Yes. Can I move in? Right. (laughs) That's what I asked her. I said, I'm a recovering addict. Can I move in? I said, why would he ever want to get clean? Zero fucking incentive whatsoever. Zero. But today's different because now we have the fentanyl crisis. We have yeah. fentanyl and another drug called carfentanil, which I don't know if you've heard about no. that. That is, that will put down, the carfentanil is used by vets, that will put down a three ton elephant. And it is 30 times stronger than fentanyl. And drug dealers are, are, are putting that, lacing that onto fake Xanax as well. Narcan doesn't even work with that drug. 
You get that drug in your system, you're dead. End of story, you are dead. Again, tasteless, odorless, can't see it, nothing. Jim Patterson, Assemblyman Patterson, and I went to Sacramento about two years ago because I've, I've, I've been on my soapbox for the last seven or eight years just on fentanyl and benzodiazepines because we have, as a society, we haven't even touched that issue. Yeah. Right? And We're just now slightly dealing with the opioids, and this has been going on for 20 years. Correct. Correct. And, and we went up there to simply try to get two bills passed to add five years on to the jail sentence at the end of the jail sentence for the drug dealer that laced that drug. That's all we were asking. We weren't asking to put the, the end user in jail, the, 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 the drug dealer. We were voted down. Huh. Hands down, just no, because it costs too much. And I had one assemblyman actually stand up and go, well, all drug dealers aren't evil, are they? <laughs> I said, sir, what I wanted to say is asshole, okay you know that's 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 the definition of evil right yeah i mean yeah so so those are the those are the battles that we fight with the organization you know i mean it's it's we're we're going to make a lot of noise we need to get it out there more we need to make parents more aware we need to make school districts more aware because it's starting as early as 11 and 12. and people need to be not just aware, but proactive. There's a lot Absolutely. of that as, as a, someone that went went through a divorce. You know, I will say that, the, and Mike kind of cracks up because my ex-wife and I get along really well it's now. It's fucking weird. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's cool, but it's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I will spit my water all over the table right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is a big thing we're fighting on, and, and it's funny, you know, we were talking before we got on air about uh, just, you know, the patterns with kids and, and parents seemingly wanting to be their kid's friend. Um you know, my daughter's not sleeping, so electronics get taken away. But right. what kind of a, a even a friend like Mikey knows I can't drink. I can't right. because I might be able to go have one beer with him today, but then tomorrow it's a twelve pack right. or an eighteen pack. Right. So what kind of fucking friend lets their kid be in their home using, let alone when there might be other kids there right. or whatever? It's a, so I don't get the desire to just remain ignorant and be unaware. Why do you think, we, gentlemen, we continually run into that? Because it's shiftless, lazy, self-absorbedness. It's, I want to have a good time, and I, I find you to be amusing. And again, this is just Darren Redman's opinion. So I want you to hang with me and be cool with me, and I don't give a shit what you're going through. It's, it's really that simple. It's, yeah. it's the utmost selfishness in a bad way. There's a selfish in a good way, taking care of you to be you. Mm. But um, that's all it is. It's because, you know, I want to have a good time and you're part of my crew and, you know, because you, you're going to be downer if you're, if you're not drinking around me. But if, there's, but if it's a parent involved, and I think that's where you're leading to, yes. is, is, is this. First of all, there's a great movie called The Basketball Diaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie. Remember that's that scene, the, Mikey, when, yep. when 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 he's at the door and he's pounding on the door and mom's not letting him in yep. and he's trying and he's crying and he's cold and he's hungry and he's all these things and mom's just not letting him in, and and then he then he then he turns violent, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And it's like you bitch, how come you won't give me twenty dollars? You know that 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 whole thing, right? That's how these kids are acting, but parents don't. Parents just give in. It, it's like, well, here's, here's the, the, what I get a lot. There's no way 
my child is going to be able to survive on the streets by themselves. There is no way. They're not, they're not street kids. I say, yes, they are. Where mm-hmm. do you think they're getting their drugs from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is, is, is sleeping in their own bed at night. Yeah. Who do you think they're dealing with here? They know the street corners where to buy it. They know the games to play. They know the cons. They know how to sell stuff. They know how to steal. They know how to do all these things. So no, this is not your child. And again, I like we said in the earlier segment, this doesn't define this, this individual as, as a substance user. That's not who he or she is. That is one big giant Norco pill. That's one big giant heroin bag. It's one big giant meth pipe standing in front of you. It's not your child. Your child has been kidnapped by the drug. Now, mom and dad, now that your child's been kidnapped, if they were kidnapped in a normal fashion, what are you gonna do to try to go get those kids? Everything in your power. This is no different than 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 a regular kidnapping. Go get your kid and do your research and get them to the right people in order to get them the right help that they need. Seven day programs, 14 day detox programs don't work. Going to an outpatient program before you are medically detoxed does not work. I'm going to, I always catch shit for that. Okay. From outpatient programs. And guess what? I don't care. Yeah. I agree. I've seen it in my own life with my dad. You doesn't bet. Work. It doesn't work. Outpatients work great after you get them off the drugs. Yep. But yep. before that, no. They have to be medically detoxed the proper way. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to go through the shakes and the shits and the everything else anymore, okay, to detox off of drugs. I mean, we did a podcast with a doctor the other day that, that who is a... a, a um, was it the obstetrician? Yes. yes. Yeah. The obstetrician. Great episode. Thank you. Thank you. And 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 he he was talking about methadone, and I told him first of all I think every methadone clinic needs to be blown up. It's the worst drug out there. <laughs> it's the it's m- synthetic heroin. It, it is. It's, <laughs> it's 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 it is. It's it's the hardest drug to get off of. It's not a treatment center. I told this doctor. I said I would rather have them say you know we're X Y Z maintenance center. <laughs> not treatment because they're not treating anybody no right it's one for the other that's exactly what it is it's one for the other right and there's other drugs out there that are similar to a methadone but but not the same compounds like zavoxone Mm -hmm. which is a great drug to detox with but again it's opiate based but it also has an opiate blocker in it so we take it and and detox somebody in about three to four weeks methadone you use methadone for three or four weeks you're not going to come off of it for no. years. No, you're it, strung out. You're strung out. You're strung out. Yep. That's funny though. You're talking about the parents. My my kid's not a street kid. Oh, really? wake the fuck up. We're <laughs> addicts. We're resourceful, man. Oh, oh parents love put, parents love putting their head in the sand. They yeah. really do. Yeah, because something a, a play of words that Flint talks about all the time is you don't have a home. You have a hostel. That kid just comes there to fucking sleep. That's it. Yeah, they they're living and breathing and and. Learning the craft of the street. Yeah. I know it. I, I was when I was bouncing for 12, 13 years, there were 12, 13 year old kids, four thirty in the morning, out running around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they knew the city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You have a hostel. 
Well, and I know for me is, you know, uh, my, my children are just now getting closer to teenage years. And, um, you know, I know as a parent, so I, I'm not coming across hypocritical. I definitely wasn't fully present in those phases. So it's a, you know, it's an eye-opening thing for me to have to look in the mirror so damn much and go, man, I, you know, all right, I provided. They never went without. They've had a good home. But shit, that, that, that's not everything. It's not everything. It, means, it, it, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It, re, it really doesn't. You know, it's um, it, it's sad to say that that more parents put their heads in the sand than I've ever seen. Yeah, they 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 just don't they they just don't want to admit it for their quote their own embarrassment. Right. And again, my my statement to them is simply this: Would you rather be embarrassed a little bit? By the way, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're talking about your kid's life. We're not talking. Th- this isn't playtime. This isn't fun time anymore. Right. Or, hey, let's just plan his funeral now. Yeah. In fact, I've looked at parents and said, here, you know what? Why don't I just give you the syringe and why don't you just put it in his neck right now and just end it all? Because that's what it's coming to. Yeah. And I mean, I hate to sound that blunt, but sometimes I have to be that blunt with a parent. Because I don't want to go to that kid's funeral. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're losing two. I mean, and now because of COVID. We're put on the back burner even more. Yeah, the isolation has been been terrible. I, Relapses I, I, yeah. through the roof yeah. right now. I can imagine. It's yeah. absolutely through the roof. Yeah. And more people die of, 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 of overdose than anybody from COVID or car accidents or gunshots in the United States combined. Yeah. And domestic violence is way up. 70%. Yeah. In our I, county. And I know that's one, another sad sight, of course, it, oftentimes comes into it a lot of us that are addicts you know like you mentioned sexual abuse physical abuse you know when we had tony hoffman who i know you gentlemen had on um when we had him on uh it's almost like he weeded it out we got to talking about that in young age and yep. he was what was it 80 percent of all like it, 88 or 89 or it something it's really high of any of children children to start using around 12 13 yep it's almost 90%, somewhere around that, right. as we recall, that was molested in some way, shape, right. or form. Right. right. And so all these things, and it's just, it's, it's fucking heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yes, yes it is. And, I th- and one thing that always stuck with me when I was doing my radio career, one of my heroes was Nikki Six, a Motley crew. Right. Mm-hmm. We got to talking about his sobriety. He said, two things happen for addicts. You get sober or you die. That's, That's right. it. That's it. That's it. So let's jails, talk. jails, institutions, and death. Jails, institution, and death. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Flint, your addiction and sobriety. Which man, near 20 years. It's awesome. 20 years. Yeah, it seems like yesterday. Really, <sighs> it, re- it really does. Now, do you think that's because and I, people that aren't addicts don't understand? Is there so many parts of our brain that become uh, stinted? They don't grow. They don't. Yes. We don't mature in certain areas i know for me that uh that's the thing i had to come to realization about me and processing and with my traumas with relationships just like it was funny i was texting tony hoffman to bring him up again about this like i don't know man and he's like don't ask me for relationship (laughs) advice i can't do that shit either so you know i'm with you brother god i love i love tony it's okay guys i got you what do you want to know (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) Sure, Mikey. Very yeah. good, Mikey. Uh, now I forgot the question. I was um, asking you about so oh. you when it really when it really took off to where addiction became very evident to you in the process of of getting sober. Yeah, um, 
look, I, I don't even like the term functioning addict because mm. we're not really functioning. No. We're just kind of getting by. We exist. We, 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 we exist. Um, we can put on a good front. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of times oh God, when, yes. you, when, you, when we don't even look like we're high, right? But then all of a sudden there comes that point where, where again, I call it the imaginary line where now it all turns to crap and everything's on the downhill slide. The weight loss. You know, uh, um, uh, Carlos earlier said that somebody said that he looked like he had AIDS, he had lost so much weight. Yeah, his family, when he was at his, his peak of his addiction. Right, yeah, they, right. Somebody asked me that as when I was coaching Little League. You know, somebody came to my wife and said, my God, does Flynn have cancer? Does he have AIDS? You know, I mean, I'm, I was 40 at that point and, you know, 135 pounds. You know, I mean, that's not good, right? Yeah. I, I thought, I thought I looked great. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, but, but I couldn't even fit my 13-year-old's jeans because I was too skinny, oh, you know? Shit. Yeah, so, um, so as, again, as everything just started to crash, and everything does, it just, it just starts to crash. That's when, you know, my, my best friend came in and got me to treatment. And um, the first four years were really tough of sobriety. They were really tough. First of all, nobody in my family believed a word that came out of my mouth for that first four years. Oh, yeah. Understandably. Addicts, we are amazing liars. Because I had someone ask me not that long ago, started to see if this sounds familiar, of how could you have lied to me so much? I said, (laughs) I said, I lied to myself every fucking day. Why do you think you're any more special than me? What a great answer. What 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 a great answer. Because, yeah, we do. Look, we lie so much that we believe the lie. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like it's, it's like the old story of the guy that had that was cheating on his wife and he had three girlfriends and they were all named Nancy. Okay, Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, could ne- he could never get it screwed up. OK. You know, so so he couldn't. Yeah. But but anyway, so so four years kind of goes by and 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 it went by quickly. Um, but I remember getting off the plane from uh, from my treatment center. And this treatment center I went to had set up a temporary sponsor for me. Mm. And one of the first things he, and this guy was about as big as that door frame. And, and, and I said, all right, man. I go, what do you want me to do? And he goes, I want you in 90 meetings in 90 days. And I go, are you kidding me? And he goes, no, I'm not fucking kidding you. He says, you either do it or I'm gone. That's simple. I said, okay, I'll do it. At that point, I had decided that I'm going to do the next indicated thing. No matter what it was, whatever somebody was telling me that had some serious sobriety time. I'm not talking about somebody with six months. I'm not talking about even with somebody with a year. Even today, when I'm dealing with young people and they're, they're out, of, out of treatment, I want them having a sponsor that's at least 10 years older than them and at least seven years of sobriety. Yeah because they've got some age difference behind them, they've got some sobriety time behind them. You put two 22-year-olds together and one's got a year sobriety, they're gonna be at the, ne- at the bar within a matter of weeks. Yeah. Right? So, so, so there's a method to my madness in, in, in dealing with, with clients. Um, 
And I've always recommended it for males, have a male sponsor, female, mm-hmm. a female sponsor, always. because I've seen that go south real quick with people. Very quick. Because, of course, I know for me, my sexual activity was very much connected to my drinking, and it is still a screwy thing for me to try to connect on a sober level in that, that yeah. I've just now avoided altogether. Uh, right, right. <laughs> it's just like, I'm not even there yet. It's right, like, you know, right. Want to go on a date? No, I do not. No, no I do not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, what, what, what people don't understand understand is in our addiction we don't we have forgotten how to live yeah we have forgotten how to go to the grocery store we have forgotten again how to play golf we have forgotten how to do anything normal and so again in the previous podcast you know we talked about dopamine receptors going away serotonin levels going away everything that keeps us in balance everything that keeps us in check in our bodies simply goes away cuts our maturity level in half. You know, if you're, I got clean at 45, my family was dealing with a 22 year old. You know, if you've mm-hmm. got a 20 year old addict, you're dealing with a 10 year old. And, and it takes, and it can take one to 12 years for any of those things to come back, depending on how long you used, what you used, your method of use, all of the above. Normally they come back pretty quick. Sleep patterns take a little bit longer to come back. Because again, uh, you know, we, we, when we're using, we don't get that natural sleep that we need so much. That will come back. Um, there, there are things I can make promises about, but the normalcy of going to, I didn't go to a, to a restaurant that had a bar in it for f- the first four years. Even today, because of what I do, I, I'll go into a restaurant that has a bar in it. I'll go to a bar, you know, if, if, if my wife wants to go have a glass of wine or something. But I always make sure I'm drinking something out of a coffee cup mm-hmm. or a water glass just so nobody can say, ah, you know what, you know, Flint's back. Because I do yeah. have to tell you this story. So I, I'd been clean three and a half, three years. And my younger son was, I mean, clean and sober. And there's a difference between the two. Yes. There really is. Anybody can get clean mm-hmm. and you can still be an asshole. Right? <laughs> sober to me means you're living that good, productive, not perfect, but that good, productive life and giving it your all. But I remember my younger son had their junior, senior prom. And of course, you know, that's the night where everybody's taking pictures and you go sure. to somebody's house, right? All right. Yeah. Everybody here, they, you guys know it's coming. And so the kids leave, our buddy opens up the bar and I'm sitting there and Padron was one of my favorites. I can have one, Uh. right? I can have one. Well, the next afternoon they told me I had 12 shots of Padron. I wound up walking about six miles from the place I was at to a Taco Bell. I bought been tw- there. I bought 27 say, tacos. Yeah. 27. Why 27? I couldn't <laughs> tell you. Okay, walking down the rest of the street, which is again is about five miles from my house. All right, not not sharing the tacos with anybody when I got home. I mean, nobody. Everyone was so pissed at me. They didn't. You know, point is, sobriety, sobriety. Yeah. You're not a little bit pregnant, and you're not a little bit sober. You either are or you aren't. In my opinion. It's that simple. Now I'm sure there's people out there that can that can have a glass of wine or and good for them if they if they can. But for those of us that take sobriety seriously, we know ourselves. We know what we can't do. Yeah. We know where it's going to turn. I have people try to take pictures in their heads 
and imagine what it's going to look like if you have that drink. What's it gonna look like if I take that pill? If I load up that syringe? Look farther than the use. Look, look past the use and what is it going to cause? Because we can think faster in pictures than we actually can speak verbally. You have that picture in your head. Yeah. I know today, if we leave here today, God forbid we get in an accident, he'll live, I'll die, okay? I know that my family will know that their father and, and, and the husband died clean and sober. And that's what's important to me. It's kind of a concept we talked about. Um, there was uh, uh, one of our early podcast gentlemen, Dominic Brightman, uh, didn't, his adversity was his dad was a military man and had dementia, and it was about going through that self-published author. And he said one of the coping things that he did after his dad's final passing that I haven't done it yet, and it kind of scares me to do, he said, I wrote my own obituary. Yeah. And it, it, and it sounded morbid, but it doesn't scare me in that way anymore. It scares me of like, oh, man, I got to get more shit and gear here because I, what I want that thing to say, I'm not doing all the work yet. Right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the uh, brushing my teeth three times a day, making my bed every day point you know, with, right. with where I'm at in life. So I'm still on that building path. How did you find how important, because uh, mentorship, uh, people that have talked to me, I've said, I'm not the guy to talk to, much like you said. I'm, I'm not so long-term into this sobriety that I'm the person you can talk to. I'm a person that you can listen to talk to other people and get these conversations. But how important is mentorship within sobriety? Extremely important. And first of all, I do believe in different programs for different people. I'm not so stiff anymore that it's just AA or NA. Mm -hmm. There are programs out there like Refuge Recovery, um, which is kind of a Buddha-based recovery program. Uh, another program called Smart Recovery, mm -hmm. um, again, which is a total different concept. I've been to all of them. I've, I've, I've been, especially in Southern California, and so I've been to these programs. I really like them. A lot of young people don't like AA. They don't, they don't like the God concept um, being shoved down their throat. Right. A lot of times too, it still continues in AA where you get a lot of old timers sitting in there that all they do is talk and bitch about their drinking days, right? Yeah, I had to excuse myself from a few of those. Yeah. I think I told Mikey about that one time. Yeah. Just it was. Yeah, yeah, it's it's horrible. I mean, in fact, I remember one time they the, this was years ago. They asked me to come in and speak at an AA meeting, and you know, and it's and and so I I get up there and I'm doing my thing and I'm talking to the newcomers and you know and I'm going look if you're in your first thirty days of sobriety and you want to worship that doorknob over there. Great, okay? That first 30 days, I don't care what you're worshiping. You worship a lizard for all I care, all right? But if you're, if you're worshiping that doorknob or that lizard after 30 days, your ass is in trouble, okay? Yeah. You know, I was never asked back. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't care. And so, um, again, so the mentorship is not only having that sponsor that's gonna guide you. Look, the 12 steps are the 12 steps. Yeah. They apply, I think they apply for people that aren't in recovery. I would agree. I really do. I think, I think everybody ought to work the damn 12 steps. Yeah. But also having that friend is so important. This, this is why I told my sons growing up in Fresno, it's, look, 
born and raised there. We know a lot of people. This isn't an arrogant statement at all, but we know a hell of a lot of people. The fact is, is that you're going to have maybe two or three best friends when you get older. And the rest are just acquaintances. Mm Mm-hmm. You got to find that best friend. That best friend, and what I mean by that—that's that's that's the guy or the or the woman, right? That you're stuck in China, right, and you can't get out. Their ass is on a plane to come and get you. That's the type of friend I'm talking about. Yeah. And everybody, I think everybody's got one. You just got to build that relationship a little bit more. Everybody's got a good friend. Make that good friend a great friend, right? I mean. It's like my, my, my best friend. I know everything about him. He knows everything about me. He's the one guy I will not lie to. The one guy I will not lie to. He knows every little tiny ass thing about me and vice versa. So does mine. I think he regrets it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you, yeah. You're, you're right. Yeah. And we do. We need that total transparency because, of course, along with addiction, I have yet to find someone to say that trust and rebuilding of trust is not – that it went away. Any sort of mm-hmm. trust of, of themselves, let alone anyone else, mm-hmm. and in that recovery process of building it. But first, you know, same person asked me, why would you lie to me so much? Is in, in trying to rebuild that friendship, I went, uh, wait till I trust myself before I can tell you anything mm-hmm. that, that you should trust me in because mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. Well, let me, let, 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 let me give you an example of that. So – in 2000 we had started paying in 2009 and in 2010 i was still having some real major teeth problems mm-hmm. right and again not because i didn't brush my teeth but it was it was the addiction and it was the smoking and it was the the tons of sugar that we consume okay <laughs> as 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 addicts uh you know the bowls of frosted flakes piled with sugar on top of it you know the 12 mountain dews a day right the, the, right. the 18 snickers bars okay because opiate addicts we got to have our sugar and so um i was no i'm sorry this was 2008 and before we started paying and and i was getting ready to do my first speech I was going to go talk to a bunch of kids at, at, a, at another Clovis church. And the night before, a tooth, not the front two front teeth, but a tooth off to the side just drops out. Okay? It just drops out. So I go over to my best friend's house, and I'm going, and I've got my lip, you know, covered over my, over my teeth, and I'm going, hey, man, I'm going, can you tell if the tooth is missing? Because i got to go talk tomorrow night. And he's going, looks great. Okay? <laughs> you know, he's, going, he's just screwing with me. He goes, no, it looks fantastic. You're going to have no problems at all. Fa- cool. So I, I, I go make the speech. Of course, nobody said anything, but i got a hole in my mouth, right? So he calls me a couple days later, and he goes, uh, are you happy with your dentist? And I go, what? I go, what, is, what does that mean? He goes, are you happy with your dentist? And I go, I don't know. I said, we're trying to put some things, and I started to understand where he was going. And I go, no, you're not doing this, okay? You already paid for my treatment, okay? You're, he goes, nope, already done. You got an appointment with my dentist at 10 o'clock on Monday morning, and you're getting all new set of teeth. Goodbye, see ya, click. And he hangs up the phone, all right? Next, I show up. They yank everything out of my mouth. These are all implants, right? And, you know, we all know how much implants cost. Yeah. But my friend, (laughs) 
I still get a little emotional about it, but my, my, my friend did it because I did one thing. I stayed clean and sober and I didn't lie to him anymore. Because yeah. I lied to him as much as I lied to everybody else in my using. Oh God, I'm sure. Right? But I stayed clean and sober. And there you have it. <laughs> Staring, how did you uh, come about getting a becoming a part of pain and meeting this gentleman here? Divine intervention, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. Well, you know, I, don't, I hit him. I hit him with a, a tennis ball at the, yes. the, the club yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. most people hit me with tennis balls. <laughs> um, just really, that's it. Um, I love what they do. Um, they were in search for an executive director, and um, when I met Flint the first time, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, I love the direction, the inclusiveness of family. The fact that uh, recovery is not a template. There's no one way to do things. Everybody's an individual. Flint talks about it all the time. And I have some background in the fundraising that needs to be done for a, a not-for-profit. And uh, with social media and some of the other things that the world right now, uh, we're in transition. Yeah, You are... KDD Media Company. You are your own media. In the old days, you'd be, you know, uh, Mike, go get me a Pepsi. And oh, by the way, can you see if the guy from the curry up the street can come here and do a story on us? No, you write your own stories. Yeah. So I like the vision that Flint had and the people that he was helping. Because the truth is that these are stories that are often ignored because of some of the things we talked about earlier. And that's shame. Heck, you know. In the 70s, people would get divorced. You can't tell your friends your, right. your parents are divorced. Did you know what the Johnsons did? Yes. Right. You know, did, oh. did you hear about Susan over there? <laughs> Sue's a hussy. She's just she's a hussy. She's a little tramp. Oh, yeah, I'm, get, I'm know. getting another call. Let me call you back. I'll tell you all about it. Right. Exactly. William is never home. <laughs> I'm not one to talk, and then all of a sudden, right? Just, right? But I'm so, not one to gossip. But you didn't right. hear that the from me. The fuck you are? Uh, right. yeah, you are gossip. So. Um, but my point is, that's funny. So, <laughs> so now you just take that and you ramp it up, right? Because yeah. there's no new ideas, right? Everything is just an offshoot of some previous ideas. Nowadays, people don't want to talk about their kid might have an addiction problem or a substance problem or there's problems in the marriage or this or that. So there's a lot of shame. Yeah. And what Flint talks about when he has this family approach is, you know what? You know, you make a Jason. You make make a decision that you're going to be doing a little tough love and kick your kid out if you have to. Well, you know what, Uncle Henry has to not take that kid in, right? And he has right. to know that that will be contributing to that kid's death, right? Yeah, and I just understood that, and and I want to help these people because these people are us. There's the, it's your family. It's it's the, it's the situations that we had. You know, this is a group of kids, and I, I identify with these kids, who, you know, they might have all the means in the world, right? They have the nice car. They have the computers and the video games and this and that. But I'll argue that they're raised like a pet, right? Your pet that you love, you pat them on the head, you give them food, you give them water, you give them shelter. But there's no engagement, and I'm not blaming the parents, but there's no engagement. No. They may know how many home runs their kid has in Little League or that he has the, the newest PlayStation, 
but they don't know that this kid is getting bullied in gym class. Mm -hmm. They don't know that he broke up with a girl. Well, he doesn't know that the kid got catfished when he went out and tried chat rooms for the first time. Mm -hmm. They're not having these conversations. So these kids reach out, and I don't mean to get on a tangent, but these are the families we meet with. You'd be amazed. We want to keep confidentiality, of course, but you'd be amazed at what Flint has to hear from these families right. and from these kids because we've all been through there. Yeah. I know right now there's somebody listening to this podcast. And oh, by the way, buy the book, please. It's it's knocking <laughs> doors down. All right. I'm just going to record Darren from now on doing it, right, Mikey. That, right. That'll just be our. And now hit the button. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away. Now Let's it's do Darren Redmond. Brooklyn style. <laughs> uh, buy the fucking book. <laughs> buy the book. I'm going to hit you in the head with a ratchet. Buy, buy the book. <laughs> but you got to understand the chocolate well, or the chip. Bagel and Bagel and Schmear. There's nothing. Yeah. Bagel and a Schmear. <laughs> yes, Schmear. That's right. Buy the book. So, no, but my, my point is, it's everything is unique, but they're all the same. And yeah. a lot of times it comes from lack of communication. And it's interesting. You mentioned um, God, and they don't want to have God, quote unquote, th thrown down their throat. We've talked about this. Sometimes God means good, orderly direction, right? And, 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 and I, believe, I believe in God, but for the people that don't at the moment in time, it could just mean having a good orderly direction to your life and, mm -hmm. and to your focus. And and that's what Flint does. And I don't mean to keep running the Flint parade, but one, <laughs> that's my job. And two, please... If you don't, you're fired. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <all. laughs> and uh, he's right. And uh, I apologize for whatever I didn't do wrong. Uh, no. <laughs> but my point, my point... <laughs> it sounds like my marriage. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they say, right? So what happens when, when, when a significant other, when a significant other is away for a while, you just keep apologizing to that side of the bed. Right. Because you just <laughs> want to stay in I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, but um, no, it's all unique and it's all real. And you'd be amazed at some of the triggers that people have and what they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know for mine, I had been doing some really digging into to books soon to the podcast uh, website and on social media stuff that, that I'm reading. And um, one of the brilliant ones that, that's out there is Unfuck Yourself, which I recommend to everyone. Really? Uh, it's a great book, great audio book. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, there's some stuff that is in there that it's weird to uh, dig out those points of, of trauma for me. I know for me, I'm a, such an emotional person for me. It's, it's became the fear of connectivity. So I'm going to close myself off. Right. But deep down inside, I really want it. All right. So I'll get the booze going. Then I get the connectivity, but guess what else came out with that shit with like all addicts, that anger. The anger. the anger of all those traumas and the everything else. I blame for so many years, even my parents, for this. I mean, and there was no reason to blame them. They weren't fault. Yeah. This was nobody's fault. I mean, this was just it. This is what, what and I hate that term. It is what it is. I have to hear that one more time. <laughs> As my brother says, no, it fucking isn't, it isn't what it is. Right, right. But... Yeah, but we have we addicts we have a tendency to blame everybody else for what's going wrong in our life, yeah. right? I, yep. I mean, it's it's the blame game. We all know it, and uh, and I don't blame anymore because mm -hmm. there's nobody to blame. Right. It was me. It was mm -hmm. it was it wasn't my choice originally because of my medical situation. Sure. But it was my choice in 1970 
to pick up that joint. It was my choice in 73 to start hitting cocaine pretty hard, right? It was, those were my choices. Um, it was my choice to go out and, and, and get hammered, you know, four or five nights a week at the, at the local bar mm -hmm. and getting fights and, you know, the whole deal. Um, but to blame anybody for that? No. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. That, that, was, all, that was all me. And I think even what I've started to accept, too, is uh, I could sit and say, ah, oh, well, I wouldn't have done that had I not been drunk. It's like, who gives a shit? You were. You were. And it's and your you behavior. And, you know. I yeah. wouldn't fit in these pants if I had three legs. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, well I kind of do. But <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, once again, addicts lie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking liars. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, but, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> All right, let me clear. Darren, I like what you brought up about pointing out the families because I thought about this not that long ago with some stuff going on with uh, my daughter, things within the neighborhood, other friends. Is It was refreshing because these two sets of uh, different, different families, we were actually able to sit as a united front of parents and have an adult conversation that wasn't, wasn't a, well, your kid. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, when did that shit stop happening? Where right. we could, where we could call, hey, Mrs. Johnson, Kevin was over here. I just want to let you know, and it's, it's not, you know, Kevin, you know, gets home and he goes, hey, Mrs. Smith called, and you know, you're in trouble. We're talking about this, whereas opposed right. to, why are you calling me? There's right. no way my kid would do that. Right. And yep. I think it's this like veil of ignorance or some shit that just, yeah, perpetuated. It's gone. It's to it's totally gone. Those that if, if if you're fortunate enough to have live in a neighborhood like that, God bless you. You know. It, it, that that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's a shame. It, it is. It, it's it's just like kids don't know how to go out and get dirty. <laughs> this right? is true. I mean, my God, you when I was a kid, you couldn't keep us off the playground. Yeah, you know, we, the dirtier the better. You know, and our parents would just hose our ass off, and okay, and then bring us back in. You know, I mean, it was it was fun growing up in the in the in the late fifties and 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 sixties. At least it was for me, you know, but I don't know. You know, parents today, it's it's just, I saw, God, I got to say this. I, <laughs> I, I, saw, I, I saw this one parent one time. You, I'm, you know where Fig Garden Village is? Yeah. In Fresno? Yeah. And I'm sitting, I came out of the cigar shop and I'm, and I'm walking there and this guy, he's walking out and okay, he's immaculately dressed. He, I mean, he's, he's got Ralph Lauren everywhere right and and he gets in a bmw and he's got his son behind him who's this kid is no more than than four right and the kid's got a bow tie on okay and he puts a, you know bow tie dressed to the nines it's it's saturday right and he puts him in his car seat and hands him an ipad and my first thought was i wonder when i'm going to see this kid all right seriously yeah you know I wonder when I'm going to see this kid. This kid's already immersed at four years of age on a, on a video screen. Yeah. Go. No, you're right. And and the the weird thing and the dichotomy about this now, if I can get on a tangent, and God knows I love those, um, <laughs> because I can't remember what I just said. What was I saying? <laughs> but here's the thing. You were saying, what did I just say? Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about that, that iPad, and let's take it five to seven more years. And they'll say, well, the kid's not outside. 
the kid's not dirty. The what? The kids, the kids not dirty. The kid is, and all real. But then, you as a parent, again, not judging you, what are you doing to get better? What you know? You're saying that the kid isn't doing well in school, or the kid, and you can't even use your kid's iPad. Shame on you. Yeah. You know, you're so busy being busy that you don't know how to download a file. Oh, these kids today, they're, <laughs> these kids today, they're on their video games. And yeah, and the, the kid is learning how to use multi-screens, how to interface properly. They know, what, they know how to download different things. And you are cutting out coupons to go to, you know, the, the nearest place to get some mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? To meet your kid, not that your kid has, you have to meet your kid in the middle. Middle, what are you doing to change? How sure. are you augmenting your reality? Well, I think that's one of the things is you know uh, what I tell my kids is, hey, I don't always have to come to you. Come right. to me. Exactly. So it's like, but I'll also make sure that you know, hey, my daughter's sitting there, my kids or whatever they do, and Mikey's experienced it when we work at my house. Man, my son is uh, you know, it's on the autism spectrum and. So do you guys know what's going on in uh, Europe as far as COVID? Let me tell you. And it's like, <laughs> there's no computer out. He remembers every fucking thing he right, reads. Yeah, he's fucking right. way smarter. Than <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, but it, but my daughter, a different kind of engagement. Got to get down on the ground. Got to do the painting, the drawing, the other things. And so the, that engagement is so important. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, uh, my first sponsor. He's like, what did you? Uh, what do you enjoy about you? Nothing. This is. Right. fresh right. you know like fresh starting i think it's post my divorce and uh and he's like what did you used to enjoy uh, and i answer him i go porn he goes yeah you're gonna eliminate that out of your life <laughs> plus there's a background of abuse when it comes to that but right. uh right. and then he goes uh what what else did you like to do well, i used to draw and build models and he goes here's 20 bucks buy your first model that you're gonna do there so go. and then it turned into legos which mikey's seen i have a, an affliction for star wars legos i think cool. my bookshelf's about two grand of it yeah. but i found something i enjoyed about myself right. again right. and that's so important it is it's it's extremely important and 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 most kids or young people they don't they don't know they don't know what that is they just take in entertainment that, that's, that's it. it they just t the great way to put it they just take in entertainment. You know, they did a study a while back, and they asked a bunch of kids, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the answer was... <laughs> YouTuber? Rich and famous. Oh. And the follow-up question was, how are you going to get that way? And their answer, every answer was, I don't know. Uh. I mean, think about that. That's, that's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah, I want to be rich and famous. Well, yeah, but did, uh, let's see. Do you even realize that cars um, have need tires? Yeah. You know, uh, need insurance. Um, well, by the way, you got to put gas in it, right? I mean, mo no, most of these kids don't have a clue. At least that's the clientele that we deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's it's because it's all been given to them time after time yeah. after time. And then when the, when the addiction hits, now now parents go into panic mode. Oh God! Well, now what? Okay, right. now now what I'm going to do? What are, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Okay, get into my office. Let's talk about it. Let's 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 see where they're at in the stage with their addiction. Are they even addicted yet? Or is this an outpatient situation? Or is this maybe a therapy session that they need with somebody? You know, how, let's determine first, before everybody starts jumping off bridges, let's determine first where your loved one is at. Yeah. And, and everybody wants to go from, you know, zero to 100, you know, in two seconds. And I can't tell you how many times 
that parents have come to me afterwards or to one of my, my <clears throat> one of my partners in another venture well you, you guys you didn't fix them at all well first of all mom and dad you didn't listen to us at all right you didn't listen to what we had to say case in point mikey with the with the sandwich mm -hmm. okay no, we told you, do not give your kid a... By the way, we don't tell every parent to kick their kid out right away. It's got to get pretty damn bad, sure. yeah. all right, for that to happen. But, but, to happen. but once it happens, right, and if you don't do it, and the minute, it's, it's, it's like the rat, the hole's, you know, very small in the garage wall, but the rat's eight feet big, and he's going to get through that little hole in there. That's what addicts do. Mm -hmm. yeah. They pick the weakest sheep out of the flock, and that's the one they go to. So if it's mom, it's mom. If it's grandma, it's grandma. Grandmas are deadly, by the way. And <laughs> and 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 so again, uh, so I'll ask the parent. Well, did he come over? Yeah. Did you feed him? Yeah. Why? I said you just lost. You have to be able to take total control over here but do it in a nice way we teach parents how to do this as nice as possible this isn't hey fuck you get out of my house anymore this is no son or daughter we're not going to live in your chaotic world anymore yeah. we are not going to pay for your cell phone we are not going to give you any more money the car is now off of off limits and you need to go into a treatment facility now it's your choice and the choices are these you can either do what we're asking especially if they're over 18 we're not telling people to do this to their 14 year olds yeah. right you can either do what we're asking you to do or here's your bag you can pack your bags and you can leave and you're a gr you're a grown adult you can go do what you want end of story but if you walk out that door we're not going to financially support you in any way shape or fashion none it's now, that's your choice, by the way. Right. Now, do not call us until you want the help. If you want the help, we will help support you in your recovery. Right? We will help support you in your recovery. But we are no longer going to keep sticking dollar after dollar after dollar into your addiction buying your drugs, buying your cigarettes, buying your whatever, all right, just so you can treat us like shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Boundaries are so, so gosh damn important. Yep. And cutting the codependent cord. Yep. It is. And it's, and it's hard. It's, it's tough. A, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> as, 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 you know, two gentlemen, you know, you much more long-term than me, but been through it. It's tough. I'm still doing it. It still hurts because I'm an emotional person and I love people, but it's me like, too. oh, there's some people just not good for me. And harder, I'm not good for them. Right. And I'll tell you what, this doesn't, this, well, you know, when I have to do this with families, this doesn't give me any joy or pleasure. Right. You know. And, and I will be the first one to admit, I don't know everything about recovery. I'd be a fool to sit here and tell somebody that I know everything about recovery. But the other hand, there's not much I don't know. Yeah. And it's because I did it all. And to be sober for 20 years, you, you know, you know, a I know a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, but you've been in the trenches too. And that's yeah. what I love about, about pain is, you know, 
just met you two gentlemen. I know there's other people that are a part of the staff, right. but that everyone is so much in the trenches of yes. this all. Yes. Let, me, let me tell you something that Flint doesn't talk about publicly, which I will. Flint gives his personal cell phone number out on the air, or if anybody needs him. He carries not one phone, not two phones. He has three phones in case somebody needs him. Am I wrong? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, Flynn, I think Darren deserves a raise over there. Buddy. <laughs> Darren, would you like an additional job? You could join the PR team here. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no it's I, great. It's, no, it, it, look, it, 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 this is not work for me. It, it, that's, right. that's the first thing. It's not work. It, this, this is something that I enjoy. I'm very fortunate that I have a wife. You know, my sons are grown and out of the house, but I, I'm very fortunate to have a wife that says, yeah, you need to do your thing here. Okay, and, and, and she's given me her blessing, you know, to yeah. go and do that. I'm out four or five nights a week, you know, um, but there are times when I will even get Darren or I'll Pam at, 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 the, at the office or even my wife that will say, no, you're not working this weekend. Okay? Yeah. No, you're taking next week off. I don't care who calls you because there, there are days, I, re, I remember one day when we, this is before Darren, before any, anybody, I was at my office. I walked in at nine o'clock in the morning. I turned on the lights, turned on the computers. And all of a sudden I sat there for five minutes. I got up, I didn't lock the door, didn't turn off the lights, didn't shut off anything. I drove home, powered off my phone. This is now 9.30, right? And, and I fell asleep till six o'clock that evening. Just didn't move. You know, because this is a very emotional thing. What we yeah, do, sure, yeah. right? And 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 seriously, three phones is fucking ridiculous, yeah. all right? To 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 carry, because um, I'm getting them all mixed up anyway. Because <laughs> I, I I can't remember yesterday. Um, Darren, who called? Uh, yeah. <laughs> phone but, number two, Flint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it two or number three? Yeah, yeah. We're going I mean, with which, two. Which one is this one? Oh, okay. Two, the one in the middle. Yeah, the one in the middle. So, but I don't, I I hate missing calls from somebody, you know, because we're talking about life and death. We're not, this, that's what it is. We're talking about life and death. Yeah. You know, we just, and I can mention their name. It's, it's Jim and Lynn Horton. Um, They just lost their son, Zach. Uh, uh, to to an overdose, and um, and so our only the only child, and um, um, it's called the Zachary Horton Foundation, and Jim and Lynn are becoming very involved in that, yeah. um, and and wanting to you know again get the publicity out there about fentanyl and the, and the Xanax combination, and uh, we have also now started with Lynn. Horton and Pam Smith, who is our administrative assistant, she lost her son to her only son to a fentanyl overdose, I think five years ago. Um, we have now started the pain grief support group just for moms. Awesome. Yeah. Moms helping moms. Moms helping moms. Mm-hmm. Because it's different when you, I mean, it's a tragedy no matter who you lose in yeah. your family. But it's a lot different when you lose a 40-year-old child to cancer or to a car accident as opposed to losing a child to a drug overdose. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you didn't even know half of it was going on. If you can think about the helpful power that somebody who 
goes through the worst thing a person can do, and that's find out that their child has died, in this case through an overdose, to have an organization like PAIN within 48 hours, have a mother that specifically has been through the same thing, not read about it in a book, right. all meaning well, not taken a course, but has actually gone through it. That's what pain is providing and right. people like Lynn and Pam and Ingrid and some yeah. of the others. Yeah. We have six moms starting right off the bat. I love it. I mean, we, we've, we, in the last, last like with, with Tony, I mean, that one weekend, I think in Fresno, we had 17 overdoses. Right. You know, with and six deaths. With six deaths. Shit. And we got all the calls. You know, and it's, and it's um, so guess what, Fresno PD? Oh, by the way, the <laughs> DEA's in town, right, over all this. Yeah. And the first thing the DEA tells the parents is, don't, please don't post this on Facebook. And the, and the, and the parents are going, why? We need people to know this yeah. is here. This is going on. Well, it might impede our investigations. These parents said, "Yeah, fuck you." Give me some sort of court, whatever, right. something that's right. Yeah, but it, right, because again, everybody wants to hide this topic. Yep, you know, and it's. I'm sorry, we can't hide it any longer. We just, we just can't. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the Marion Jaws, right? Right. Ah, uh, everybody, it's fine. Go back in the water until some bitch comes up and bites you on the ass personally. Because <laughs> right. you know what? It's one of those things that happen is these people that want to ignore it or that can help with legislation or whatever else it is. Until it sits and bites them, they just they keep the blind eye. That's it. That's exactly what it is. And it's shitty and it sucks because it is real people. It's real life. It's the, you know, I've Mikey's seen it with me after some of our conversations with folks with stuff. I mean, we've covered everything right. from... You know, the gentleman losing his father to Alzheimer's. We had uh, Casey Johnson on who was shot at Columbine and all these people. Mm -hmm. And it's like all these wow. things you just wow. want. You'll turn, yeah. your, you'll, turn a, you'll turn a fucking blind eye right. until it, that it's that big shark that comes up and bites you in the ass. That's exactly right. So, and, and, and by the way, I don't wish that on any of them. No. No. But I, w not. but I wish they would just listen to us a little bit more here. Yeah. Sure. You know, pick up a newspaper, read what's going on, get, 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 get educated on this. Because at some point, most people are going to know somebody that has died of an overdose or that has become addicted to a substance or alcohol, yeah. whatever, whatever the case may be. You know, it's, it's, um, it's the number one killer in America right now. Yeah. But there is hope. There's hope. I was going to say, there's no better feeling there's hope. than when oh. you hear of recovery. Yeah. yeah. And you see the faces of the family and you see that person and, and they get it. And when you can see somebody look at Flint and say, you thought I was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I've, I've got a few, we've got, a, we got, we yeah. got a few people in recovery, man. They're doing good more than a few. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. And, to, you know, and by the way, most <laughs> of these guys hate me. <laughs> okay. When they first walk through the door, because I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the covers off them. And I'm, and I'm telling their parents, look, this is, this is, I know the drug addict. This is what you're going to need to do. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is that we are taking away the drug addict's best friend. Their best friend is their drug. We're now saying you can't have that anymore. Hmm. Right? You don't think they're pissed at me? Oh, hell oh, yeah. Big time. And I'm saying, good. I hope, I hope you stay clean and sober for 90 years and you hate me that long. <laughs> Okay, as long as you're clean and sober exactly. for 90 years, I don't give a shit, <laughs> okay? But 90% of them, well, even more than that, will come back to me and just say thank you. 
Yeah. You know, because guess what? They're truly working a recovery program. Yeah. That's when you can tell when somebody's clean and sober. Are they working a program? How is their attitude? What is their personality like? You know, it's not in what we say, it's in how we do it. Yeah. Right? I can tell but you know, by the look on your face, okay? You're doing it, you're working it, all right? You look good, it's, you sound good, all of those mm. things. It, it, it's, to me, that's a, that you're a miracle sitting right there. I'm not kidding, okay? I'm, I, I'm not joking when I say that. You just keep at it, brother. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I put it out there, I think, as in one of our videos on social media, just, to the, just in us into everybody out there, and if it's anyone struggling or someone you love, it's like a one in 320 trillion chance of just being yourself. And that's yeah. one of the things that for me has been helpful in a lot of the reading and YouTube TED Talks or whatever it is, meeting gentlemen like yourself, our conversations is, yep, somebody had to be me, might as well be me. Right. So right. let's enjoy this shit. Right. You know? That's it's the only one I get. Yes. That's right. That's that's exactly right. I tell people I didn't want this on my resume. <laughs> okay, but guess what? Here it is. Yeah. Right? So I'm if 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 I'm yeah. in it, I'm in it to win it. That's right. You know, and I'm gonna go for it all the way down the line. If folks want to know more about the program, um, the podcast, and, and maybe if all they want to do is make a donation to help, how can they get some more information? Well, they're on their own. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> Good fucking luck. Now yes. you're fired. Yeah. All right. yes. Yes. And we'll hit the stop button now. Right. Yes. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's called humor. <laughs> anyway, humor they, in recovery. Well, don't go anywhere because we're going to play golf course or rehab in a few minutes. <laughs> Yay, kids! No, so there's there's a couple of different ways. One, go to our website www.gotpainusa.org, and um, you'll see all our information there. Uh, you can uh, contribute there. Also, our phone number is five five nine five seven nine fifteen fifty one. That's five five nine five seven nine fifteen fifty one. We have our podcast, Don't Hide the Scars. We also have a GoFundMe uh, going on right now. Uh, so, uh, Which is on the page it's right on, on yes. the website, the one at the uh, gopainusa.org. Uh, go Co- yes, correct. And uh, so it's there. And, Got Pain. Uh, Got Pain. Got Pain. Yes. Sorry. Do, yes. www.gotpainusa.org. And uh, we appreciate your time here. And, you know, um, and let me throw out my numbers, too, because you sure. never know who's listening. To, There's you know, three of oh, them. There's three of them. Keep in mind, uh, folks, that are listening to us, because we do have people in Sweden and Australia <laughs> that we are in central California. Don't just be like, yeah, we want to call the guy over there in the United States. <laughs> I like the accent. <laughs> he is such a good guy. Flint, how's it going? You know? <laughs> Please do that. Please, somebody. I, you know what? Call I, Flint I, today. Oh, yeah. From uh, Zimbabwe uh, or uh, Sweden. Actually, I'm going to give one number, and that's going to go to two different phones. Okay. So that's the easiest way to do it. 559-978-9239. That's the first one. And just in case it doesn't forward over, 559-978-0242. Those are the both numbers you can reach me. And if you're listening, you can rewind this really quick. That's the power of podcast and on-demand content. And, And I will say this. We answer our phones. These are not 800 numbers. You're not going to wait for somebody to, to, to call you back in two or three days. Um, the only time I'm not going to answer my phone is when I'm in the shower uh, right. for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> so so we, do, we do answer our phones. But by chance, if, if we do not pick them up, somebody will re- I will return that call within a matter of minutes. So Awesome. Yeah. 
Gentlemen, it's been such a pleasure to meet you. Same here. Have you come in and spread about? You guys are great. Thank you and spread about what the mission you're doing. And uh, I I hope that uh, as things continue to lift and change in our quote unquote new norm, whatever the hell norm means, um, that we get the opportunity to work together. Oh, oh, we'd love to. We would love to more and more with you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Knocking doors down. Real people. Real stories. Real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. Thank you again to Flint Anderson and Darren Redmond of Pain. What a couple of great guys. Oh, they're so awesome. That was fun. That was a good time. Yeah, and and informative. I mean, that's a great thing is, you know, Flint, he is so big about honesty and truth in this and that the thing that that we're here to try to get out is that uh, people don't want to talk about these issues. They feel shame or guilt or whatever it is or what will other people think. And shit thinking like that is not going to make any change happen. It's not going to improve anything, not for you or anybody else, your loved ones, people you care about, your community. So it's great to see what they're doing, what parents and addicts need. It's the acronym for pain. And uh, sharing their stories, going out, speaking with people when they can, all these wonderful groups and everything else. It's just awesome. Yeah, those guys are doing great things for sure. Yeah, well, we thank you guys for listening. Again, uh, don't forget to uh, check out carlosvierafoundation.org that we are teamed up with. Three great programs there, the uh, Race to End the Stigma, which deals with mental health issues, also the Race to Be Drug-Free. Of course, that helps focus on keeping kids off the streets, off drugs, out of gangs, involved in activities, and the Race to End Autism, which is another great program near and dear to my heart that uh, all these things are doing. You can find out more at carlosvierafoundation.org. Apply for scholarships. And hopefully once things open up, we'll be able to have some events again, get kids out for different stuff, uh, hold our boxing events, our MMA events, and all the other great stuff that we're doing. Once the world gets back to normal. Gosh, that is the hope, right? One day. One One day, day. son. Well, we thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to uh, Knocking Doors Down, the podcast on Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, at iHeartRadio, of course, on that app. And you can go to kddmediacompany.com slash podcast. And while you're over there, hey, why not check out all the info on Carlos Vieira's autobiography, Knocking Doors Down. It's all about how he fell into his cocaine addiction and overcame it. I believe he's coming up on near 15 years sober now. 15, yeah. It's uh, really an awesome and inspirational story. It is the antithesis for this all that uh, really took from the uh, book to the podcast and all the great stories that we're getting, including today's episode itself. So anything else, Mr. Naraki? That is it, and we will see you next Thursday. On that note, keep knocking doors down. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. 
The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments suggestions or correction of errors privacy is of the utmost importance to us for those wishing anonymity people places and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests this website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website in no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content, establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.